It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Life's busy. Take this deck. There's heaps to do on it. Like, um, polishing off this wine. That's tough. Life's pretty good with a Trex deck. Composite decking with no hard maintenance. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Welcome to Inspiring Stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Hello, my name is Tim McMillan. Welcome to another episode of Inspiring Stories brought to you by Barra and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Uh, my guest in this episode is one of the greats of WA cricket. He has captained uh, Western Australia. He's captained the Scorchers. He's coached the Scorchers uh, recently to a record fourth BBL title, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, he also finished his test career uh, with a batting average, second only to the great Don Bradman uh, for players who have have featured in at least 20 test matches. Adam Charles Voges is my special guest. Hello and welcome to Inspiring Stories. Thanks for your time. Thanks, Tim. Thanks for having me. Nice to be here. Uh, firstly, congratulations uh, on guiding the team to another BBL title. A, a pretty extraordinary achievement given what you only played one game here in Perth. The rest of it, you're on the road. Yeah, that's incredible. R- yeah, it, it was. And uh, I guess we've had a little bit of time now to reflect on uh, on the season uh, and the campaign that was. And, uh, yeah, you, you reflect on those moments throughout. Um, we spent 50 days on the road. Uh, we, we had that first game here at Optus Stadium uh, back on the 8th of December, I think it was, and then uh, uh, and then didn't come home after that. So mm-hmm. I, I guess just uh, immense pride in our group, not only our playing group, they were magnificent, but also the support staff and the people behind the scenes that made everything happen to allow our players to go out and play mm-hmm. some wonderful cricket throughout. And um, it actually really galvanised the group uh, to be able to, to know that we weren't coming home for a, for a fair period of time, well, for the entirety of, of pretty much the Big Bash. So um, it, it gave us a real focus about how we wanted to go about and play our cricket. And, and to their boys' credit, uh, every time they walked across the white line onto the field, they played some wonderful cricket and, and were deserved uh, champions by, yeah. by the end of the tournament. Uh, given those extra challenges, uh, being away from home, which is really tough, particularly on... Uh, those who have families here, you know, young kids and stuff. It's a long way for you know for dad to be away. Did your role as coach sometimes have to go beyond what you would normally consider the coach's role? You know, you had to be um, someone who was also understanding of their their challenges and and the struggles that they were facing, and you had to go a bit beyond the you know practice sessions and the nets and all of that because you you with each other twenty four seven. Yeah, that's right. I think cricket became secondary at times. Yeah. Uh, uh, the challenges that we had with uh, the restrictions that were put on us with COVID, uh, the fact that we did we had some families on tour and that was really nice. So we had a few kids come into select uh, to, to um, meetings, review meetings, and um, just broke up the the atmosphere a little bit. And, and it was nice to have those ones uh, who did come on the road with us. But also there was a fair majority who didn't have um, that support, I guess, mm. uh, from their from their partners or families. So uh, 
um, yeah, just to be around those people and just try and keep the group as, as galvanised as possible and, and create an environment where people could be themselves. Um, if they had an issue with something, that they were able to speak up about it um, and that hopefully we would be able to resolve it. So um, that was a big part of my role was to just try and keep everything on, on track and, and just keep that environment as as relaxed and fun as possible so that when they came into the real pressure situations mm. out in the game, they were as clear as they could be and they could just go out and execute, which they did really well. Yep. Uh, cricket generally during COVID, how hard has it been? <laughs> that uh, has been, what, two years of it? Yeah, I, we're not finished yet either. No. Uh, we, had, we had six guys get COVID during the tournament and uh, I think we had a four or five game stretch where every game day or the night before game day, I had the doctor ringing me telling me we had another player test positive yeah. uh, to the point where I was starting to, I, I saw our doctor's name come up on my phone. I thought, <laughs> oh, I, I don't want to answer this call. But uh, I, I guess w- what we tried to do was was really keep the human element within our group and make sure that th- there was still that connection and, and the guys could still um, be around each other, uh, particularly when we weren't playing or, or training. But as COVID came into our group, having to separate them a little bit more um, just to try and stop the spread um, mm. just meant that there was a little bit more isolation. I think we had 25 hire cars by the end of it. Everyone was right? driving themselves to and from training, to and from games, uh, just in case uh, if they did test positive that they were the only ones in the car. And, and there was just some, I guess, some restrictions and, and measures that we put in place that just made it harder and harder as the tournament went mm. on. But again, to, to the players' credit, they dealt with it really well um, Mm. and just got on with the job. And we talk about resilience and adaptability and they can be buzzwords at times, but uh, I think the guys went about it on a daily basis, showed that they were able to do that really well. Yeah. you grew. I grew up in Perth, born in Perth, born and bred here in WA. What are your early memories of seeing the game that you fell in love with, picking up a bat? When did that all start for you? Yeah, well, uh, my dad was a school teacher, so we we moved around a little bit. Um, uh, We... Um, I was born in Subiaco, um, grew up in the, the northern suburbs early uh, early in life and then uh, we went to Kalgoorlie for a couple of years uh, with, with Dad with teaching and then uh, ended up settling down in the Rockingham area, which is where I spent uh, the majority of my childhood. So um, for me, um, life was sport. It was cricket in the summer, footy in the winter, um, mm. being down the park with my brother and, and mates. And, um, I think my cricketing journey started about the age of 10, um, where I started actually getting involved in the sport. And, um, I Pretty guess late then. Yeah, it was. Yeah. I, I guess compared to the opportunities, particularly in, I, I guess, organized, uh, cricket that, that kids can get these days. Uh, I started a little bit later, um, but I was also a kid who wanted to try everything. So yeah. um, had, there wasn't too many sports that I didn't have a crack at. And mm. um, now that I'm a dad myself, I certainly encourage that with our kids mm. as well to, to try and explore and experience as much as they possibly can. So um, that was that was me. Uh, yeah, grew up down in Warmborough. And um, so we spent a bit of time traveling to and from. Dad would bring me up to the Wacker. Um, I used to love coming, watching uh, the 50 over games that would be on a Friday and a day night game. So we'd come up and, and watch your Tom Moody's and, and Damien Martins and uh, Brendan Julians and Simon Cadditch's and Justin Langer's and um, and even before that, your Jeff Marsh's and your, your Graham Woods. And um, so uh, cricket was always in the yeah. blood and um, we are very fortunate that my parents were my taxi for 15, <laughs> 10, 15 years and um, were able to take me around the, the place so that I could... 
uh, play the sport, but also go watch it as well. So very fond memories of, of coming to the Wacker Ground on a Friday with Dad, watching WA play when, when we used to get pretty good crowds and yeah. um, just experiencing that atmosphere, yeah. which was great. Were you the sort of kid, you know, cricket mad kid who'd go to sleep with a, you know, with the bat, put the pads on first thing in the morning, you know, six hours early? Were you, were you that much of a... Of a keen cricket kit. Yeah, I didn't sleep with a bat, but I was, <laughs> I was in I was in the whites at six a.m. Yeah. Saturday morning. I was ready to go. Um, so yeah, it was always exciting. You'd you'd for me it was almost you had Monday to Friday. You just got through because that was uh, what you needed to do to get ready for Saturday. So um, yeah, very early on that was that was the case. They were always early starts, and um, I was dragging mum and dad make sure they were up yeah. and ready to go because I certainly was. You mentioned some absolute greats of WA cricket there. Um, that you got an opportunity to see as a kid. Who were the who were the absolute idols for you growing up? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I, I really loved watching. Um, I, I love watching your, your Damien Martins, your um, Justin Langers, um, the guys who I grew up watching, and then was really fortunate enough to to play with as well mm. as as I was just starting my my career for WA. So um, Tom Moody, uh, Brendan Julian, Joe Angel, these sort of guys who we had a really successful period in Western Australian cricket during that time, um, and they were at the forefront of that. So. Um, yeah, to be able to watch these guys in, in practice and then to actually become teammates with a lot of them uh, mm. at the sort of back end of their career and the start of mine, uh, yeah, I was, I, I, it was awesome. Yeah. At, at what point during your childhood did you come to realise or did someone press upon you that you were actually pretty darn good? Maybe you should be more serious about it and have a proper crack. Uh, well, I had an interesting journey because all through my uh um, pathways, my um, as I was going through mm. um, grade grades, I was a bowler. I bowled left. Yeah. I bowled left arm wrist spin. Um, I got picked on a Australian under 19s tour in 1999 to go to England as a left arm wrist spinner uh, yeah. who batted. I think we I batted eight or nine on that tour. So um, it was it was junior cricket. I was a I was a spinner who batted a little bit, and then by the time I made my first class debut at 22. Um, I was a batter who had stopped bowling these. So there was a, there was a fair transition period between sort of the ages of 18 and 22 where um, the bowling sort of dropped off and I had to work a bit harder on the batting and, and fortunately it worked out okay. But uh, it was probably – I was lucky enough to represent WA at those underage levels and, and was lucky enough to go away on an Aussie 19s tour. But um, even still then and, and even for the first couple of years of my career – I never really got established until I was probably in my mid-twenties. So yeah. um, it was probably a bit of a longer journey than most, but, uh, yeah, got there eventually. Was it hard to let go of the idea of being primarily a bowler? No, nah, not really. No? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, as, a, as a young wrist spinner, you have good days and bad days, <laughs> and I was having a lot more bad days than good days. So it was almost a weight off my shoulders. Some, some pretty you know, dry and, you know, not very helpful wickets around WA too to well, yeah. make a long day, a very long day for you. I'd, I'd, I'd like to use that as an excuse, but <laughs> I, I, I don't think I can. And uh, I'll never forget, I had one moment, I was bowling at Richardson Park in South Perth and uh, I bowled a knee-high full toss to one of the batters who hit it as hard as he could and it hit it into the guy at bat pad who was oh, wow. a metre away. Yeah. Um, and I just thought, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm, I'm actually starting to endanger people here. So <laughs> um, that, that was probably the moment where I thought, oh, I don't think I'm going to do this anymore. Yeah, so right. um, I'd been over to the um, the Cricket Academy, which was based in Adelaide, and 
I went over there as a as a wrist spinner, but probably came back. I worked on my batting for six months solid, and mm. um, Rod Marsh was in charge of the academy at that time. And um, I probably came back as a certainly a, a much more competent batter, and then uh, worked my way through grade cricket. And but yeah, there was there was certainly a transition period there over a couple of years. <laughs> Once lives are in danger, that's it. <laughs> that's that's it. a turning point. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, let's take a break. Adam Voges is our special guest on this episode of Inspiring Stories. We'll be back with more of his record-breaking uh, career in cricket right after this. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Barra O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Barra O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Welcome back to Inspiring Stories. Uh, in this episode, we're hearing the story of Adam Voges, a man who's uh, played uh, so much cricket in WA, but also played uh, county cricket in England. Uh, he's played in the IPL. Uh, also played a season with the Melbourne Stars in the BBL, which um, I'll give you a hard time about in just a moment. Uh, played in the Caribbean, you name it, he's done it. Uh, and more recently uh, done it as the coach of the Perth Scorchers as well, winning another BBL title. Um, the start of your first-class career, uh, the moment you got the call-up, I'm sure it's a magic moment in any elite athlete, elite cricketer's life. What was it like for you? Uh, oh, yeah, incredibly special moment. I remember uh, I made my WA debut. There was three of us who debuted in the same game. So Bo Casson uh, and Luke Ronke, uh, all three of us debuted uh, here at, at the Wacker Ground against Tasmania and got our, oh, I got my cap presented to me by Graham Wood and uh, yep. just remember how much of a special moment that was at the time. And I guess going through the journey and now being the one who um, sometimes delivers the cap to, mm. to young players who are making their debut, just understanding the importance and, and how special that occasion is and um, just making sure that they they feel really valued because that's certainly the, the feeling that I got when I got yeah. that, that first opportunity to play for WA. What did he say to you? Got no idea. It was um, <laughs> it was twenty something years ago, and uh, um, my memory is not the greatest at the best of times. But it was uh, it was, and again, it's just along the lines as as we speak to a lot of our guys about um, the the pride in representing your state uh, and the opportunity, and, and just knowing that what you've done to get to this point is good enough, and that you don't have to prove anything to anyone else. Mm. Just go out and be you, and play the best of your ability, and. All your mates will, will have you back and, uh, and we'll hope, hopefully make it a really special moment. So um, I didn't certainly didn't set the world on fire those first few games. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it was it was a nice moment. Yeah, I was going to ask how you went. I mean, everyone knows how you went in your first test uh, knock. But uh, how did you – yeah, don't remember exactly how you went in your first, no, first re- class innings. No, I remember. Um, my first, first – oh, six. Um, <laughs> uh, got off the mark with a nice straight drive down the wicket and uh, thought – Oh, I'm going okay here. And then uh, six balls later, I was out, nicked one to second or third slip, and that was the end of it. It, it all happened pretty quickly. Got 30-odd in the second innings and luckily played the rest of that season. So played four games that year, but didn't, again, didn't set the world on fire and, and actually had to wait another full year before I got another opportunity. So yep. it was a bit of a stop-start mm. um, beginning. What was your plan B at that point? If cricket didn't work out for you, what were you going to do? Uh, I was still working at that stage. I was uh, trade link. Myree was my um, place of employment. I, I'd, I'd studied um, sports science at uni, but uh, was was just sort of uh, wasn't a full time cricketer. Um, was on the rookie list, um, so had to work as well. So yep. um, I think my first rookie contract was worth five thousand dollars. So <laughs> I was pumped at the time. I thought um, this was awesome, but uh, 
yeah, you, you still had to work at that stage. So I yeah. was I was at TradeLink uh, Monday to Friday. Would start at seven in the morning and knock off in time to drive to the Wacker or, or drive to club training. And uh, that was the existence yeah. um, for for a number of years. And it wasn't really until I established myself as a, a regular Shield player that. Um, I could probably give up a bit of work. Um, mm. Not that that was my entire career plan, but uh, that was what I was doing at the time. Yeah. What got you more excited as a, as a youngster playing? Shield cricket or playing the, the 2020 stuff or, or the one-day international style 50 over games? Yeah. Well, what were you more drawn to? Well, T20 cricket wasn't around when I first started. Yeah. Uh, so you had your 50 over games and, and your shield cricket. Uh for me, it was always about shield cricket. I, I still think the longest form of the game is the most challenging. Mm. Um, gives you the, the biggest test of, of your skills, your temperament, um, your bravery at times as a batter. Uh, and and for me, and, and I'm a traditionalist, it, it'll always be the case that um, playing shield cricket, playing test cricket uh, is, is the epitome. Uh, white ball cricket certainly has its place in our game. I think it attracts new people to, to the game of cricket, which I think is hugely important. Um, and as we see more and more leagues pop up around the world it, it allows people to have a, a make a really good living as well uh, from the game but for me it'll always be red ball cricket yeah you, you did some extraordinary things uh, in all forms of the game uh, we might just have a listen um, to a catch that you took we, we're fast forwarding a little bit here but um, this was uh, a game that you were playing uh, for Australia against New Zealand and uh, look it was a catch that I think at, at that time you've, we've seen it a bit more now but it really blew people away at the time, didn't it? It was the catch, you know, where you're kind of over the boundary line, you throw it back into the field of play, run back on, take the catch. It's kind of become, you know, more commonplace now, hasn't it? But you were an absolute pioneer at the time. Well, Pumping up your tyres here a bit, Adam. But before I get you to talk talk us through it, I would have a listen to the commentary because they were as, as stunned as everyone watching it was. Hit that well. Genius. Uh, I'm not sure about that. I think I I made uh, I made that look a lot better than probably needed to be. Uh, It was um, yeah. I I remember it really well. We ended up winning that game by one run, and Brendan McCullum was probably the difference, and and he was the one that I caught. And but. yeah, I think the modern cricketer now would probably catch it, take one step over, and then just and and make it look very very easy. <laughs> I made it look extremely difficult. There was a little uh, trip there, a dive at the end. Uh, yeah. yeah, tripping over the boundary yeah. right? That, that that just added a bit to it. But uh, yeah, it was it was something that you see our guys actually train and practice it a lot. Yeah. We never practiced that sort of stuff. That was just a bit of instinct at the time and um, clearly because I made it look really quite difficult when, um, <laughs> when it probably shouldn't have been. But um, I just remember that we ended up winning that game by one run um, yeah. in the end and uh, it, was, it was a nice moment. I also remember that uh, that game was in Sydney at the SCG and WA played a Shield game that started in Tasmania the next day. So I finished playing that game 
tried to calm down from all the, the hype of the game and everything that happened, flew to Tasmania the next morning. Uh, we got sent into bat and I got out for a golden duck. So <laughs> I, I came crashing back, back to, to earth, earth very, very quickly. Very, very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I, I sort of brought you to that because, uh, you know, I asked you before about uh, whether it was the long form or the short form that uh, that you were more drawn to. Fair to say that you were called up to represent at the highest level um, sooner, certainly in the shorter form of the game. Um did you love playing one day cricket? I mean, obviously you love playing one day cricket for, for Australia, but um, did you feel like if this is as good as it gets and, and as, and, and as high a level of representation as I get, I'm, I'm satisfied with that. Yeah. It's... Cause it came quite a few years before you got called into the test arena, didn't it? It did. Yeah. I, uh, I, uh, yeah, well, that's where my first opportunities lied and, and that was because from a domestic point of view, that was where I was stronger, I guess, from a performance um, side of things. My, my white ball form was always pretty strong uh, yeah. and, and pretty consistent, whereas I had ups and downs with, with shield cricket and, and never really piled the runs on or knocked the door down like I needed to early on in my career. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's where the opportunities lie. Um, I, I remember... I. Made my ODI debut at Hamilton in New Zealand. Um, Matthew Hayden got 170 or 180 that day. We made 340 and lost somehow. Uh, <laughs> but walked off the, the the field with the biggest smile on my face that because um, uh, I'd I'd been able to I guess live the dream and, and represent Australia and got that one game. Uh, missed a, a tour to Pakistan to get married. Uh, uh, which was controversial at the time. It, it was. Can we talk about that? F- we can. For a moment? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because I'd only played one game for yeah. Australia at that stage. And I, I remember the, the conversation. I'd actually had a really poor summer um, for WA. Like I, I'd, I'd really struggled, but got picked in the uh, in the ODI series at the back end of the summer. Didn't play a game. Ran the drinks the whole time. Um and the, the wedding was um, planned 5th of April. Every cricketer in Australia gets married in April because that's the end of the season. Um, and and it had been a long time in the planning. And um, this tour came up to Pakistan and I thought, I'm absolutely no chance of getting picked here. I've, I've been pretty poor. And um, all of a sudden I, I did get picked. And, of course um, you did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and um, to my wife's credit, she was brilliant. She said, you play for Australia, like, go, we'll, we'll reschedule the wedding. And... I sat down and thought about it. I spoke to a lot of people I'm close to and um, Justin Langer was one of those, my dad. Uh, and I ended up coming up with a, the realisation is that, well, this is a pretty special moment in my life and if I'm good enough, then I'll, I'll get another opportunity to play cricket for Australia. And um, it seems strange saying it, at the t- but at the time that was the mindset and I, I guess in a way it was me backing myself to be good enough to, to yep. play again. And yep. um, I, I'd only played one. I ended up playing 30-odd for Australia. So I did get that opportunity again and um, and and got to be married and I've got two wonderful kids now and, mm. a, and a loving family who have been uh, incredibly supportive to me. So in hindsight, it was, um, it's was it been a good decision <laughs> yeah. uh, at the time. Uh I wasn't entirely sure, but I'm glad it played out the way that it did now. And yeah. I think we see Glenn Maxwell's um, getting married soon and, and, and missing the Pakistan tour um, to do that. And I think it's certainly more widely accepted than than what it probably was in my time. But uh, <laughs> I, I bet it came up a couple of times in the wedding speeches, though, did it? It did. It did. And, um, yeah, I always thought that it just meant that I've got one up on my wife for the rest of our time, but I don't think I do anymore. I think I've used those yeah. credits. I'm sure she's uh, she's sacrificed a hell of a lot. Certainly has. Uh, in your years together. 
as well. Um, we're going to play another uh, highlight moment, uh, I think, right after we take a break. Um, when you uh, managed to score 50 grand freakishly, picked up a 50 grand bonus uh, that was, well, supposed to be for you, but ended up being uh, for the team. We'll hear that story right after we take a break. This is Inspiring Stories. Adam Voges is our special guest. Back with more after this. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Barra O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Barra O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Welcome back to Inspiring Stories. Yeah, this was, uh, well, not a little moment, but certainly a moment. Uh, We're cherry-picking some of the uh, outstanding and memorable moments uh, from the incredible career of WA cricket great Adam Voges. Uh, And this was certainly one of them. Let's have a listen to the clip, uh, and then you can talk us through it, Adam. Oh, it's a full toss and it's going to be over the top for six. Oh, he's hit the sign. He's hit the sign. Bang, middle of the sign. Well, that, uh, that'll make his day. There might be a bit of a party on tonight for the Western Australians. $50,000. Thank you very much. <laughs> That's why he's batting above Mike Hussey, Murray Goodwin. 50 big ones. So just to, just to recap, so this was at a time when ING was a, a sponsor. They put a small-ish, you know, it wasn't massive, was it? You know, target sign around the ground. And if you managed to hit it, um, you pick up 50 grand, which you did. Yeah, it was, um, it was actually only my second one-day game for WA as well. So uh, it all, yeah, it all happened very early on. We, um, we... We were playing at North Sydney Oval, which yep. is not the biggest ground in the world. I actually didn't hit the ball very well at all. Um, <laughs> and it was a knee-high full toss from Stuart McGill and just sort of tried to sweep it square. And, um, yeah, from the moment that it didn't quite hit the middle of my bat, it was probably online most of the way. So I, I remember um, – so that was – it was only the second game of the season, so it was early on into my career. But yeah. I also remember that at the beginning of that season, we sat down as a group and decided that if anyone hits the sign, that we're going to split that amongst the the playing team. So yeah. the, or the twelve, the twelfth man would get a share as well. So, um, and I thought at the time, yeah, that's fine. Like I'm a young bloke, I haven't played yet. Like yeah. um, it'd be nice if someone hits it and I get a and yeah, I get a, a bit of a slice bonus. of it. So, um, yeah. So when uh, when I hit it second game and and they, I just remember them panning to the change rooms. You should have seen the boys' celebrations. <laughs> they, were, they were up and about and. Um, yeah, they were pretty happy. So we um, we ended up winning that game. Um, it was a really high-scoring game at North Sydney. And well, I think um, you, you scored a ton in sixty-two balls or something. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was so very, you, very memorable. One of many sixes. Very, very memorable game. I came in at uh, one for one hundred and fifty. I think Scott Muleman, Marcus North had put on a really good yeah. opening partnership, and um, yeah, I was allowed to just go out and and go for it basically. So um, that's what I tried to do, and and it came off. And um, yeah, we we sat down at the end of the game, and Wayne Clark was our coach at the end, and yeah. um, he just reminded me that we'd all signed this thing <laughs> saying that we're splitting it up. I said, yeah, yeah, no worries, and. Um, he then announced that because we were playing a shield game two days later. Yeah. He then announced to the group that um, we'd be splitting the the prize money, but also that I was going to be twelfth man for the shield game. So if they did want to buy me a drink that night, they <laughs> they, um, they were certainly welcome to. So yeah. um, there was a bit of a party after the the, the game that night. So do you get the fifty k straight up, or is it sort of turn up in your bank account a month later? 
after uh, they literally come in and go, Adam, well done, here you go. Here's nah, the money, go I, enjoy yourself. No, nah, yeah, looking around for that big novelty <laughs> check. But um, no, they, uh, I think they just uh, it slid into the bank account probably at the, the end of the season. So yeah, right. Yeah, you, you divide 50 by 12, uh, you take half out for tax. Um, yeah, there's a couple of grand in there. So take a couple awesome. of big nights out. Yeah, it was good. Celebratory drinks. Very good. Let's fast forward now uh, to, what, 2015, and you get a call up to the Australian Test Team. I mean, we talk about moments in a, in a cricketer's career. Uh, was that right up there with the most memorable, getting the call? Talk us through how that happened that, for that particular call up to that side. Yeah, I uh, yeah remember it vividly. Uh, we were at home uh, one day and uh, doing something around the house and missed a call from Rod Marsh, who was the Australian chairman of selectors at the time. And yep. In your in your cricket career, there's there's a few people that if you miss a call from them, you ring them back straight away. Mm. And and the chairman of selectors is generally one of those people. So, um, he he rang me and said, uh, "We're going to pick you in the Ashes, uh, and we're going to pick you for the West Indies, which is before the before the Ashes." And um, yeah, I just I was 35 at the time, uh, had had a really good run in domestic cricket over over a couple of seasons. Had it had a big year where I scored. I think 1,300 runs for WA in the Shield season. So, um, But it was at that stage of my career where I just thought, well, international cricket's passed me by. I'd, I'd played a little bit of one-day cricket and but hadn't played for, for a little while. Uh, mm. And so I was just really enjoying captaining WA. Uh, we, won, uh, we won the one-day title that year. We won the, the Scorchers, won the Big Bash, and, and we made the Shield final. Uh, unfortunately, didn't win that. But we had a really good, successful year. And well, I was really enjoying doing that. And um, uh, I'd didn't even enter my mind at that stage that I'd done well, but at 35, you sort of think, well, probably time's gone by. So to get that phone call to say, are you going to play? Um, well, we're going to pick you and there's a, a really strong plan- chance that you're going to play. Um, yeah, that was, that was amazing. Yeah. And the, the records will show that uh, you elevated yourself into some pretty elite company in scoring uh, a century uh, in your maiden test. Uh, against the West Indies, and I think to this day you're still uh, in the record books as the oldest uh, Test debutant as well. I mean, that must be an immensely proud moment for you. Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, to to get the opportunities, one thing I guess to to be able to make the most of it was something that I'm incredibly proud of. And again, remember uh, Brendan Julian presented yeah. me my baggy green. Did he uh, have any words of wisdom for you? Yeah, uh, he was pretty good. He, he was quoting something about the Australian Prime Minister and um, <laughs> being um, just the elevation of, of of being in the Australian cricket team. And uh, again, can't remember word All for a bit word. Of a blur. Um, yeah. But I just remember being. Uh, so we played, I, I debuted in the West Indies in Dominica and there's a 12-hour time difference between Dominica and, and Perth. So we finished training in the afternoon and um, I got the tap on the shoulder the day before the test match to say, look, you, you're going to play. And um, I was so excited. Mm-hmm. Uh, got back to the hotel and it's three o'clock in the afternoon, which is three o'clock in the morning in Perth. So I'm ringing mum, I'm ringing dad, I'm ringing my wife. No one's answering. And and so for for a couple of hours, I'm sitting on this news that I... um. I had uh, to play a test match for Australia and finally my, my, my wife rings me at about five which yeah. um, and she's a bit she's obviously a bit sleepy and she's how you going rah, rah. and um, I said oh, I've got this news I'm, I'm gonna play um, for Australia and she said oh that's, that's great and rah, rah. and <laughs> can I go back to sleep yeah now? <laughs> well, well, I knew she was half asleep but I said oh you don't seem that excited about it. like this is this is pretty cool and um, she goes 
Oh, I've got to confess, like Cricket Australia rang me yesterday. I knew you were going to play. Oh, no. um, they wanted to get a video organised because we're not going to be able to get there to, to watch you play. I went, <laughs> so you knew for 24 hours before I did that I was actually going to stay wow. for Australia. And uh, she said, yeah, um, I'm going back to sleep. I'll talk to you later. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, that was a pretty uh, surreal moment to, um, yeah, to, to have that experience. Um, I got a wonderful message from my family and, um, that got played to me just before we went out um, for the national anthem to, to for the test match. And um, so I was a bit emotional when, when I walked out there and fortunately we fielded first. So I had a little bit of time just to calm the nerves and yeah. and be out there, but then was batting by the end of the day on day one. And um, I, I don't think I've been more nervous in my life walking out to really? bat. We had about 20 minutes left in the day. Yeah. Um, Cause normally you, you might get a night watchman when, when it's close to the end of the day's play mm. and, um, Michael Clark was captain. He said, do you want a night watchman? He said, with 15 minutes to go, we'll get someone ready. I said, okay, no worries. And then wicket fell straight away. So I was, I was on my way. I was out there and yeah, in, uh, first ball, I think hit me before I even moved. Um, fortunately it wasn't online. Mm. Um, but then got to face the spinner the next over and got a, a nice full toss off my legs, which got me off the mark. And then that just settled the nerves a little bit, uh, finished on 20 odd, not out that, that night and then got to continue on the next day. So, yeah. um, yeah, amazing experience. I, I don't think I slept for the whole test match because, um, you don't sleep the night before cause you're so excited. Yeah. I was 20 not out after day one. So no sleep that night, no sleep that night <laughs> was like, got a hundred. Um, so didn't sleep the next night. Uh, just so excited. So, um, yeah, I don't think I slept much at all during the test match, but, um, yeah, just a very fond memory. Yeah. In hindsight, given the fact that you were 35 and you probably fair to say at that point thought, I'm probably not in the window to play test cricket anymore. Um, getting to it at that age and then, you know, realistically thinking, I'm, I'm not going to be playing test cricket for five, 10 years here. Did it give you a sense of freedom and, and adventure, if you like? You thought, I'm just going to make the most of it. I've already achieved so much in my career. This is icing on the cake. This is amazing. I'm just going to try to love it and enjoy it as much as I can. Yeah, I did. And again, I, I thought it's going to be a good time, not a long time. Yeah. And fortunately, I was in, I was just in a rich vein of, of form. I, I was really confident in my game, um, knew, knew how I wanted to go about it, knew how I wanted to prepare, knew that if I got myself in that I was really hungry to, to make big scores and, um, and, and had a, a little purple patch for sort of 12, 24 months there where just in, really enjoyed being able to play. Mm-hmm international cricket because yep. it, again I, I knew I was only ever a couple of poor scores away from from getting dropped um but that was okay because uh, I knew it wasn't going to last forever anyway so yeah. just that ability to go out just enjoy it and, yeah. and be part of it and enjoy the moment and um didn't guarantee success but I'm sure it had a part to do with um me being able to play well for for that yep. period of time was just knowing that um let's let's enjoy it while it yeah. lasts well, it was an, an extraordinary uh, period of cricket for you personally. There were 50s, tons, double tons uh, that all came in pretty quick succession. We'll get into that right after we take another break. Adam Voges is our guest in this episode of Inspiring Stories. Back with more right after this. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Barra O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Barra O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. 
Welcome back to Inspiring Stories. Tim McMillan is my name. My special guest is the coach of WA cricket men's team, uh, Adam Voges, uh, hot on the heels of a big bash league victory as well uh, just a few weeks ago. Your test career, we just, uh, before the break, we're talking about your extraordinary uh, debut against the West Indies, uh, elevated into rare company, scoring a, a ton on debut. Uh, the runs just kept coming, didn't they? Uh, I mean, you must have just been pinching yourself at times as you held the bat up, you know, acknowledging the crowd after a, a double hundred even. Extraordinary. Uh, yeah, no, um, uh, it was a great period. It wasn't all smooth sailing. Uh, the the twenty fifteen Ashes yep. cer- certainly didn't go to plan. Uh, we we were, I think, pretty strong favourites to to win that series and ended up losing three mm. two. And uh, I certainly didn't have the series that I was hoping to have. But um, so I was under under a fair bit of pressure at the back end of that series and and wasn't really sure if I was going to get another opportunity um, after after that Ashes series. But thankfully was was picked for the, the following summer uh, against New Zealand. And uh, what I was actually really lucky with is I was batting five in a team where our top four batters were, were going pretty well too. So there, a lot of the time uh, I was getting to face some pretty tired bowlers and yep. um, and, and a lot, our top order had done a lot of the work. So mm-hmm. um, I was I was able to just come out and, and, and play with a bit of freedom and um, – but yeah, we had a. It was a, it was a really uh, memorable summer. I think for me, my favourite was at the Wacker, um, scoring a hundred against New Zealand at the Wacker, and, and just in front of my friends and my family. And um, I think there was four or five hundred scored in that game, so it was absolutely <laughs> flat row. Yeah. But um, um, and it probably wasn't my best innings by by any stretch. But yeah, to be able to do it in my home ground in front of again friends and family was was certainly my favourite moment. But um, yeah, there was. Um, again, that just that twelve month period was um, yeah. w- was pretty good. Well, you made the World Test eleven for your um, performances in twenty sixteen. Um, Two hundred and sixty nine not out was your highest score uh, in Tassie against the West Indies. What what happened that day? I mean, f- for you to, to to pile on that many runs, were you just right in the zone? Yeah, uh, I think there was. I was a combination of things. Yeah, I was. I was. I was playing pretty well. Uh, I got into a, a really big partnership with Sean Marsh, who's, who was who is one of my very good mates, and we were just able to really enjoy batting together. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess we'd grown up. We'd played a lot of cricket together um, through the ranks, through playing for WA, and then this idea of, of being able to, to bat out there with one of your good mates representing your country um, and, and to put on this partnership was, was awesome. So, wasn't, it, wasn't it the highest partnership in test history or something? Uh, I think we fell it just was, short. Uh, short. It, was, it was a monster partnership, wasn't it? Yeah, Sean got caught on the boundary. I think we were a couple short of the all-time record. So um, <laughs> not, not that we had any idea. No, of at, course you at, didn't. At the time. Of but, course um, you did Yeah, no, that was... Oh, that was a really special moment um, to to play in that and to experience that with Sean. And we won the test match pretty convincingly. And um, and that was the part of the series against the West Indies. That was the start of the series. And, um, yeah, it was just one of those moments. Um, Hobart, I've got a bit of a love-hate relationship with Hobart. It was uh, It's where I've scored my high score, but I've also got my most amount of golden ducks in Hobart as well. So uh, it's... A, it's uh, it's been good to me and not so kind to me at times as well. Yeah. Um, the decision to retire, how did that come about? Was it easy for you? Well, I don't think it's ever easy. I think it was uh, It was right. It was the right time for me. Yep. And you speak to people about retirement and, and they sort of say, well, you'll, you'll know, you'll, you'll know when, you, when you're ready to retire. And yep. I, I'd had a couple of 
pretty nasty head knocks in yeah. the in the six month period leading up to my retirement. And the first one, I was uh, in the field playing county cricket for Middlesex, uh, standing at first slip. Uh, deep in thought and an errant throw came in from the boundary and hit me in the back of the head. Uh, and then I, I copped another one out at the Wacker when I was batting in a shield game against Tasmania. So yeah. um, from going from never really having any issues with that to copping two pretty nasty concussions over the space of six months, uh, my test career had sort of finished by that stage uh, and I was sort of the back end of the West Australian summer. So... It was for me. It was actually not a not a difficult decision yeah. uh, to retire from, or well, certainly to retire from state cricket. I played one more year at the Big Bash uh, with the Scorchers, but uh, I was thirty seven, thirty eight. It was time. It was time. There was yep. there was an opportunity for Australia, West Australia to appoint a new captain for for fresh blood to come in and get their opportunity, um, and it was. It, and I was comfortable with that. Mm. I, I I didn't miss it. Uh, the next year, I watched. I came down, watched the boys play, and I, I wasn't missing the being out in the middle. And for me, that that just probably signalled to me that I'd, I'd made the right call. So um, I still get the fix. I'm obviously still really lucky to be involved mm. in the game as a coach and get to see these young guys uh, in their journey as well. So I certainly still love being around the game, but I don't I don't miss being out in the middle anymore. Do you get in the nets much, even at training now? No. No, no I, I'm in the backyard a lot with my young bloke, yeah. and uh, we're down to the nets a lot. Um, but I'm never—I don't have the bat in my hand. I'm no. always the one throwing balls. So, yeah. uh, working on your bowling again, finally after all these years. I know, I know. The shoulder gets a good workout these days, but yeah. uh, no, that's the extent of it. But uh, just being, still being around, and involved in the game, I, I certainly still love it. The, the transition to coaching. From my point of view, it seems like it's been very natural and, and pretty smooth, and has obviously come with success as well. Do you feel like you, it has all been a pretty natural fit for you? Uh, no, no, <laughs> no. It, it hasn't. It hasn't been. Uh, it's certainly not to start with. I yeah. think I, I wanted to stay involved in the game uh, and was hopeful to to begin a bit of a coaching career, and then South Africa happened uh, with the sandpaper. Justin Langer becomes the Australian cricket coach and an opportunity comes up for WA. And I guess I was a bit naive at the time. I'd just finished playing. I'd, I'd done a bit of work around uh, WA squads and that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And as a senior player, you're always trying to help the younger guys. I guess I probably didn't fully appreciate the enormity of the role at the time. And so it's been a pretty steep learning curve. Uh, that was four years ago now. And I certainly think I'm a very different coach now to where I was when I first started. But uh I've loved the loved the journey. It's uh, it's mm. had some ups and downs, but um, to be able to experience a bit of success recently and um, to continue to grow and evolve, I guess my own coaching uh, ways and methods uh, is something that really excites me. And and just helping our guys and yep. and hopefully helping them achieve what they want to achieve as well. If you don't mind me asking, I, I have to ask. But what's your take on the the JL saga? Yeah. Uh, I'm really disappointed how it's played out. I'm disappointed for JL because I think he did a wonderful job with the Australian cricket team. The results speak for themselves. Mm-hmm. I think people forget where 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 we were when he first started and, and where he got us to. Uh, so I, I'm just more disappointed in how it all played out. If that was the final decision, then so be it. But to drag someone of, of his standing in the game through uh, 
publicly the way that it was dealt with, I thought it was really poor. So um, I'm disappointed in that sense. Um, I hope that he'll uh, he'll be able to spend some time at home now. It's an incredibly demanding job, mm. the Australian cricket coach, and he's away from home a lot of the time. But hopefully he can spend some time at home now, and I certainly look forward to catching up with him a bit yeah. more regularly now. I'm sure. Would you ever like to coach Australia? <laughs> uh, maybe down the track. Uh, I think it's uh, it's not something that's on my radar anytime soon. I, yeah. I love my job here in WA at the moment. Well, look, if you keep getting the results that you've had, you might get the tap on the shoulder at some <laughs> point anyway. But the JL saga wouldn't put you off it at all? Uh, the way he's been treated. Yeah, I... I I would hope that there's a lot of lessons learned about how this has all played out and yep. that whoever is in that position going forward doesn't have to experience what JL has had to experience. Yeah, all right. We're very good. Very diplomatically answered <laughs> there. Very good. Um, and in the meantime, we'll hold on to you as long as we can here in WA and uh, hopefully there'll be more success to come. But uh, Adam Voges, thank you so much and uh, for coming in and sharing your story. It's been uh, It's been very entertaining. Thank you so much. Congratulations again on your recent success and uh, hopefully uh, many more to come. Thanks, Tim. Cheers. Thank you very much. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. We look forward to you joining us again next time as we unearth another inspiring story. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Barra O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Stuff for your face and body? It's men's skincare with a purpose. Top quality Aussie-made grooming and skincare to help guys look and feel great with no hassles. Plus, Stuff is helping mental health too. Find Stuff at Woolworths or visit websiteofstuff.com.